This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by a brilliant physician leader. We're joined today by Dr. Suzette Oyeku. Oyeku. Sorry, Suzette, I think I got it right the second time. I apologize. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell us about yourself and Montefiore? And then we'll go from there and maybe a little bit about your time at Harvard and so forth. Thank you, Dr. Oyeku. Thank you so much, Scott, for this opportunity to speak with you and your audience today. Um, I'm a general pediatrician, and I have training in health services research and quality improvement. Um, I currently serve as the division chief for academic general pediatrics at the Children's Hospital at Montefiore, otherwise known as CHAM, um, which is part of the Montefiore Health System. I'm also a professor of pediatrics at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. Um, Montefiore is comprised of about 10 member hospitals, of which CHAM is, and we also have about 200 ambulatory care sites um, across the Bronx, Westchester, and the Hudson Valley. I come to this conversation, I think, you know, in addition to, you know, who I am as a pediatrician, but I'm also the daughter of Guyanese and Nigerian immigrants, and I'm a woman of faith, and I think I come to uh, many places where I'm, you know, Shonda Rhimes kind of talked about being the first, the only, and different in a lot of different contexts. And, and talk about that. Talk about being the, the, the daughter of immigrants from Nigeria and, and Guyana. Talk about that and what that's like then going to Harvard and having this incredibly remarkable career here and the pride that must fill your family with. Yeah, I think, um, you know, both of my parents came as young adults to the United States. And I think my dad used to always say, you know, silver or gold I don't have, but only thing that I can offer you is education. And I think um, that's something that they um, really taught me and my siblings in terms of really the power of education, in addition to power of family and our faith. And I think those kind of pillars are what really, you know, was the foundation in which I built my life and my career. And I think that's led, you know, I went to undergrad at City College. I did the Sophie Davis program there and then um, then went to NYU to finish medical school and then went to Boston um, to do my um, pediatric residency training. So I trained in the Boston Combined Program, which is Boston Medical Center and Boston Children's Hospital. And what was it like? I mean, City College to NYU, you know, that at one point was a very common jump, probably less common jump today, but just a, a magnificent jump. And what was it like? I mean, today getting into medical school is as hard as it was then. I mean, it's brutally difficult. What was it like to find out that you were admitted to medical school? What was that? What, what was that like, the moment of that in the family? It was great. I think I knew from early on that I wanted to be a physician. And so the program that I did, which was a Sophie Davis program at City College, you actually are, you know, once you matriculate into the program, you're, you know, essentially guaranteed a spot into medical school provided you, you know, complete the requisite coursework and exams um, that you were going to match to one of seven medical schools. So I knew at 16 that I was going to go to medical school. I just, you know, needed to make sure I did the work to to get there. Um, but I think for my family, being the first physician, um, it was great joy. Um, I remember actually, I wasn't planning to talk about this, but I think during the time I was in college, my mom 
um, was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she actually passed away right before I graduated. And so it was hard because she couldn't be there to see, you know, the fruits of her, um, you know, both my dad and my mom's sacrifice. Um, thankfully, you know, my dad is, you know, still alive, and my mom's sisters really rallied around um, me and my siblings as I started this journey. So for me, um, I think I'm, it, if anything, I doubled down on my focus a little bit more and just was like, I'm going to be, I'm not only doing this for myself, but I'm doing this for my family and specifically for my mom. And so for me, you know, that has always been with me over the years. I mean, that's truly remarkable. I mean, just remarkable as a story. And I appreciate you so much taking the time to share with us, Dr. Oyeku. Talk for a moment about this year, as we get towards the end of this year in 2022, where are you most focused and excited this year? So I think as a pediatrician, definitely excited to hear the news, hopefully from the CDC panel today um, about uh, pediatric vaccines being available for our children five to 11 years of age. So I think like many physicians, I've been very, you know, focused around community education related to COVID and COVID vaccines. Um, I think as a person of color, I felt like it was important for me to share my voice and share my why, um, because I think as we've seen um, communities of color, you know, as uh, Dr. Easterlin has talked about, we're one of the most affected, but least protected. So I wanted to lend my voice. So I've been spending, you know, a lot of time doing community education with my local congregation. And then that subsequently parlayed into work with other faith-based leaders. So I now work in partnership with the Conference of National Black Churches. They have a funded effort um, with the CDC, um, and we've trained over a thousand pastors and other faith-based leaders across the United States about vaccinations in general, but specifically around COVID and COVID-19 vaccines. And then these pastors then take that information and they educate their congregations. Um, So it's almost train-the-trainer kind of model. And those pastors then partner with local health systems and health departments to conduct vaccination pop-ups. And it's been very gratifying work um, because we've seen um, in some of these communities where we've done this work, an increase in vaccination rates in the community. So I think it just reminds me about the power of community. And that's definitely something I'm very excited um, about um, because I think also with the opportunity for children to get vaccinated, it allows us to get closer, you know, one step closer to, you know, some semblance of normal, even though I think we're at a new normal right now. And so getting better and better on vaccine hesitancy and these kinds of efforts are so powerful and so important. Take a moment on, and and so fantastic, Take, take a moment on, your father had said, look, I don't have silver and gold, but I can get you an education. And that's the best I could do, but that's gonna be everything. What advice would you give to emerging leaders today in addition to that, in addition to education and keep on learning, what advice do you give to emerging leaders? I think a couple of pieces of advice. I think one, and definitely I've learned this over this past year, is embracing your authenticity. I think there is power in the authentic voices that we have, and I think um, it can provide useful and important insights in different spaces um, because we all can see things from different perspectives. So I think embracing being that first, the only, and being different at times, because that actually might be a bit of a superpower. 
Um, I think the second is being open to new things. I think this past year, if anything, we've all learned to pivot in new ways. I think as healthcare providers, we've done so many new things, such as implementing telemedicine, doing virtual recruitments, using different modalities to educate our trainees, but also the community. So I think just being open to new things. The other thing I think this past last 18 months has just also reinforced the importance of doing something that's restorative. So I think as a division chief, I've encouraged our faculty and staff to make sure that they're doing something to restore themselves. So if it's, you know, practicing their faith or exercising, you know, some of my faculty are knitting and cooking and baking, but something to pause and recharge. Because I think um, one of my faculty said to me, you can't serve from an empty cup. And I think that's really, really important. Um, I think the other advice that I'd give is just remembering to take up space and that our voices matter. So I think for me last spring and summer, um, when we saw the various civil unrest erupts across the country, I realized it was just important for me to use my voice to speak up for those issues that really matter. And I think, um, you know, also using my voice and lending it to these education efforts, um, because I think it's important um, to share your why. And lastly, I think not to be, you know, corny, but I think I have a mantra that I say to our team all the time, which is like teamwork makes the dream work. And I think it's important for us to remember that no leader is in isolation. They work in a team and it's really important for them to encourage their team and to listen for their feedback. And um, because some of your best ideas come from your various team members. So I think it's important to just, you know, really leverage the importance of your team. Well, and, and the point is so well taken because you and I know that notwithstanding these myths of magnificent leaders, nothing gets done without teams. Nothing great happens mm-hmm. without teams. And the leader could be a huge part of bringing it out in teams, but we all know that it's, it's a team that makes things go if you want to go far and do great things. But, but I love this concept of, of teams and being open, taking care of oneself, speaking up about whatever it is that you care about, your principal to speak up. Don't be afraid to lend your voice to it. We just had that discussion internally in our family yesterday, quite frankly, to be willing mm-hmm. to speak up on behalf of others. And, and, and then this concept of being authentic. That, that you and I know that as a professional person, anything, you know, I have to dress up better than I otherwise would for work because I have to look like a professional. But besides that, being yourself, actually being yourself is what you have to be. When people try and mm-hmm. be something different, it's it's very artificial. It feels very still, but even though it's trying to do the right role, the right role is really fitting yourself, being yourself in that role, not changing yourself to be that role. I mean, you really want to be yeah. yourself. That that just is so much more powerful, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I think, um, you know, the more people that, you know, continue to embrace who they are, but that we all embrace each other, I think, you know, we're going to get to, you know, really being able to achieve important things together. So I think it's us all bringing our whole selves to the table, but then also embracing everyone doing that. Dr. Oyeku, what a pleasure to visit you with you. What a remarkable career. I mean, we all know that all of us are immigrants in one generation or the next, and Mm -hmm. it just makes the world and the country so much better. Thank you for sharing your story with us. What a remarkable story. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the conversation today. Thanks again.